I want to send off our children, uh, ages 3 to 5th grade, for the children in worship time. Es el tiempo de niños en adoración para los niños hasta quinto grado. And there are a number of them exiting right now, as you can see. And as they're going, I also want to encourage you, there are Bibles in the back. We encourage and want you to have a Bible. If you don't have one, please just take it home. Hay Biblias atrás y si no tienen, pues pueden llevar la Biblia con, consigo cuando vayan a la casa. Uh, and... You can also use your phones or a copy of the Bible that you brought with you. I want to invite you. We're in a series, as Greg said in the video, of talking about next steps, looking at following Jesus in terms of these steps. There are big steps, micro steps, all kinds of steps. Estamos mirando lo que son los próximos siguientes pasos en la fe. And today I want to share with you a scripture that will also speak to that. And it's from the second half of the Bible, the New Testament, the book of 1 Peter We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at the end of verse 14, going to verse 16. So it's just a few verses, but very important. Vamos a mirar primero de Pedro 3, del fin del 14 hasta el 16. If you see a page number there, that's referring to the Bibles in the back. La página se refiere a las Biblias de atrás. And I'm just going to give you a second there uh, to get to that place. And I'm going to read it first in Spanish, and then I'll be reading the same thing in English. Voy a leer primero en español, después en inglés. So we must never forget what we have here. What we have here is the Word of God, and we have a powerful, powerful message here for us today. Esta es la palabra de Dios. Pedro escribe, dice, No teman lo que ellos temen, ni se dejen asustar, mas bien honren en su corazón a Cristo como Señor. Estén siempre preparados para responder a todo el que les pida razón de la esperanza que hay en ustedes. Pero háganlo con gentileza y respeto, manteniendo la conciencia limpia, para que los que hablan mal de la buena conducta de ustedes en Cristo se avergüencen de sus calumnias. Peter says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So perhaps you've heard that we are living in what's called an information age. Vivimos en la era de la información. What that means, among other things, is that today we have unprecedented access to what's happening in our world. Tenemos acceso sin precedente a lo que pasa en el mundo. In fact, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I can have at my fingertips access to just about any place. I've got on my phone the ability to see what's happening right outside my front door right now. Yo puedo ver con mi teléfono lo que pasa fuera de la entrada de mi casa. Or I can go online, and I've done this. I can go online, and I can see what's happening right now in Times Square, New York. I can watch the cars going past right now, real time, what's happening. Puedo ver lo que pasa en Nueva York o Los Angeles. Or I can get a nice beach scene. I can go online. I can see what Newport Beach looks like right now. Probably not too crowded. But yeah, I can see that. 
It's there everywhere. And, and that's kind of a cool thing for us, right? We have this access. I can see and I can know all about my world so quickly and easily. Puedo ver y saber mucho del mundo. But here's the flip side of the information age. The world can know a lot about me too. El mundo sabe mucho de mí. And that's not always a comfortable thing because we're living more and more in a culture that I would uh, refer to as a gotcha culture. Estamos en una cultura de exponer a la gente. It's becoming more and more popular in our culture to, in a sense, out people. You know what I'm saying? To expose people in compromising situations and, and to show people as being maybe ignorant or racist or hateful or whatever the case may be. I just scrolled down the news yesterday and I think about eight out of the ten stories I saw were about people getting gotcha'd. You know, they were exposed. Hay mucha gente expuesta por ser racista, ignorante, cosas así. And so, not only in social media, but in the established media, a lot of what's going on is manipulation of images and videos and words and all kinds of things to try to paint people in the worst light possible. Hay mucha manipulación de los videos para pintar a las personas de la peor luz posible. And we need to understand that as people of faith, people who believe in God, we're not exempt from that in our day and age. We're not exempt from such gotcha-type moments. No estamos como creyentes exentos de eso o fuera de eso. In fact, uh, I think it, it's becoming the case in our day and age where, where people of faith, people who are Christians, are often being portrayed in the media and in, 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 in Hollywood and other places as what? As suspicious? as intolerant and as backwards. Los cristianos a ellos se les ve como sospechosos, intolerantes, hasta, hasta atrasados. In our gotcha culture, in a sense, we who believe must understand we're on trial. Estamos ante tribunal. And, and in that way, in a very real way, God's on trial too. People around us are not sure about God. Dios está ante el tribunal de cierta forma también. Now, I think we can take comfort in one thing this morning. And that is that not much has changed in 2,000 years. That aspect of living the Christian faith really hasn't changed. And this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to that scripture we just read from 1 Peter chapter 3. And we find Peter here, he's talking to a group of Christians that are living under circumstances that are way different than ours and yet the same. Pedro está hablando a cristianos como nosotros. And I believe there's a word for us today in this gotcha culture. See, these Christians are living in a place and they're living in a time where the majority culture around them really does not believe what they believe. La mayoría no cree como los cristianos en aquellos tiempos. And the people of the ancient culture uh, in that time, they look upon Christians in very much the same, same way. Christians back then are seen as suspicious, as intolerant, as backwards. La cultura en aquellos tiempos mira a los cristianos como sospechosos, intolerantes, atrasados. Why are they suspicious? Christians are suspicious because Christians proclaim Jesus is Lord. Dicen los cristianos Jesús es Señor, but the Roman government wants everybody to proclaim 
Caesar is Lord. La declaración de los romanos es César es Señor. But Christians don't do that. Makes them suspicious. And Christians are intolerant. Se les ve como intolerantes. Why? Because you see, everybody in that culture believes that there are multiple gods. And everybody should be willing to, to kind of acknowledge everybody else's gods. We all have gods and they're all over the place. But these Christians, they're intolerant. They say there's only one God. How could you be so intolerant to do that? Los cristianos solo adoran a un Dios y el resto del mundo a muchos. ¿Qué intolerantes son? And Christians are suspicious and intolerant, but they're also backwards because they don't attend the wild parties in honor of all the gods. They don't practice the sexual looseness of the society. They don't even enjoy the bloody competitions of the arena, the gladiators and the animals and all of that. Ellos son también atrasados porque no gozan de la inmoralidad sexual o de las otras cosas de la sociedad, de las competencias sangrientas tampoco. And so it's Christians living in a time like that and to us in our gotcha culture that Peter writes. And he starts out by saying, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Now he's actually quoting a scripture here. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 8 verse 12. No teman lo que ellos temen, dice Pedro. Está citando Isaías 8.12. If you go back to Isaiah 8.12, It's exactly what it says at the end of the verse. It says, do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. Dice, no teman lo que ellos temen, ni se dejen asustar. But then Isaiah 8.13 goes on to say, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. Solo al Señor Dios Todopoderoso tendrán ustedes por santo. Solo a Él han de temerlo. Well, Peter takes this scripture from Isaiah and he's, he sa he's saying this is talking about Jesus. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Do not be afraid. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Christ is the one you are to fear. Christ is the one you are to honor. No teman lo que temen, sino en sus corazones honren a Cristo como el Señor. Han de temerlo a Cristo. He's making this about Christ because that's what it is about. And then he goes on to say, always be prepared. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Estén siempre preparados para responder a todo el que les pida razón de la esperanza que hay en ustedes. Always be ready with an answer. Always, literally he's saying, always be ready to give a defense. Estén preparados para responder con una defensa. Now he's not talking self-defense. He's not talking judo or, or martial arts, that kind of defense, okay? He's talking about a testimony. This is trial language that Peter is using. It's, it's uh, legal language, courtroom language. Es lenguaje del tribunal, lenguaje legal. He's saying that as As followers of Christ, we should be ready at any moment, at any time, in any situation where we might be in a place where people are trying to say, gotcha, we need to be ready to take the stand as a witness for the hope that we have. Debemos estar dispuestos a dar un testimonio de la esperanza que tenemos. And what is that hope? 
What is the hope that we are to give a defense of? Que es esa esperanza? Well, Peter himself, I think, gives it to us if we turn a couple pages back to 1 Peter 1.3, Primera de Pedro 1.3, he says that God in his great mercy has given us a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Tenemos una esperanza viva mediante la resurrección de Jesucristo. We've been given birth to this living hope. It is something living inside of us. And it's not just a hope that's living inside of us. It is the living, resurrected Jesus Christ who is living inside of us. Es la esperanza viva del Señor Jesús resucitado. So how do you give a defense of the living hope you have in Christ? It goes right back to the beginning. Set apart in your hearts Christ as Lord. Aparten en su corazón a Cristo como Señor. Literally it's saying revere him. Make the living, risen Jesus holy in your heart and in your mind. Que Cristo sea santificado en tu mente. The word is literally the word we use in the Lord's Prayer. Make Christ hallowed in your heart. Hallowed be your name. Santificado sea tu nombre. Es la misma palabra que el Padre nuestro. Que Cristo sea santificado en tu corazón. And so what this is saying is that you and I we can give a defense of what we believe. We can give a defense of Jesus' living resurrection as our hope. How? By keeping the reality of the resurrected Jesus front and center in our hearts, in our minds, that we're captivated by the, the, the reality of Jesus Christ. Que podamos dar una defensa de la esperanza que tenemos con la realidad de Cristo en nuestro corazón y mente. Que eso es real. And as you do that, Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect. Do it in a way that is careful. Que lo hagan con gentileza y respeto. With a, with a clean conscience. With a clear conscience. In other words, as you share the defense, the reason for the living hope of Jesus in you, maintain a non-anxious presence. Que tengan una presencia no ansiosa. And as you do that, those who have been waiting to get you, those who want to say, gotcha, they're going to be exposed. They're going to become ashamed of their slander. The ones that are trying to shame you and out you and expose you, they're going to be outed and they will be ashamed. Los que quieren avergonzarlos a ustedes van a estar avergonzados de sus calumnias. And so this is, this is quite a challenge but also an encouragement. It's saying we don't have to be afraid. I love the song that the, 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 the Fusion Coalition sang this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Ya no soy esclavo. Soy hijo de Dios. And we can give that defense, that quiet, confident defense in a gotcha culture. How? By keeping what is real. Keeping Jesus, his reality, front and center. Hay que mantener lo que es real, la realidad de Jesús. That's our foundation. Now, 
in Colossians chapter two, I wanna share with you something here. There's something we need to understand that, that the challenges that we face in this culture rest upon a shaky foundation. It seems like the, the, the challenges to the Christian faith in our time are strong. There's a current of skepticism in our society that is strong. It appears to be really threatening, especially to Christians. And sometimes we can get knocked over by these, yeah, but what about this argument? Gotcha. What are you going to do about that one? What do you think of this? Yeah, but. And we're challenged. And it can appear that those who challenge the faith are on a strong foundation. But we need to have a proper perspective. Puede, tener, puede parecer que los que retan nuestra fe tienen una, un buen fundamento, pero no es así. In Colossians chapter 2, around verse 6, Paul says, As you've received Christ as Lord, as you have Christ in your life, continue to live in him and be rooted and built up in him. Be established in the reality of Christ as the firm bedrock of your life. Siguen a Cristo como Señor, arraigados y cimentados en Él, dice. And then in Colossians 2.8, he says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Cuídense de que nadie los cautive con la vana y engañosa filosofía que sigue tradiciones humanas, la que va de acuerdo con los principios de este mundo y no conforme a Cristo. Be captivated with Christ. Don't be captivated by what seem to be strong arguments against your faith. No sean cautivados por los argumentos en contra de su fe, sino que sean cautivados con Cristo. There are arguments that come up against the Christian faith that can unsettle us. Let's see if I can give you an example today. Here's one. Science has proven that Christianity is false. La ciencia ha comprobado que la fe cristiana es falsa. Have you ever heard that one? Science has proven that Christianity is false. Unfortunately, that's not a scientific statement. Esa no es una declaración de la ciencia. It is a statement that would reflect what I would call a philosophy about science. And that philosophy is sometimes referred to as scientism. Es una filosofía sobre la ciencia, es cientismo. And scientism takes what is science and it elevates it to a different level than science is intended to occupy. Uh, MIT astrophysicist Ian Hutchinson, who is a scientist and a believer, makes it clear that there are limits to science. Science, he says, is a way, it is a method for understanding the physical world. It is a method for understanding how things happen. La ciencia es un método para comprender cómo las cosas ocurren en el mundo físico, dice un, 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 un científico cristiano. And so we need to understand that the authority of science rests upon a foundation of human understanding. It's our ability and our, our, our attempt to understand what's happening in the world. El fundamento se basa en la, la comprensión humana, but we also need to recognize that human understanding, by definition, is limited. 
our science goes as far as our understanding goes. La ciencia va de acuerdo con la comprensión humana que es limitada. And so what that means is that the explanations that science is going to give for what happens in our world are constantly changing. They're constantly being updated. Las explicaciones siempre cambian en la ciencia. And so things that were, were gospel truths of science 100 years ago are no longer believed by scientists today. Las cosas que eran verdades de ciencia hace 100 años no son ya de hecho creídos hoy. There are science books that line shelves that are 100, 200, 300 years old. But those science books are no longer books of science. They are books of history because the science in those books has been outdated. La, los libros de ciencia hace 100 años ya son libros de historia porque la ciencia no es válida. Now, please don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not against science. Science has given us much. But again, we need to understand what science is and is not. Science, as Ian Hutchinson says, is about how things happen. It's always trying to declare and explain how things are going on in our world. But frankly, the world is pretty complicated. The universe is pretty big, isn't it? And we aren't even beginning to touch the surface of explaining how things happen in the world. Ni podemos explicar todo lo que pasa en el universo. And, and this, this scientist Ian Hutchinson says, science can try to explain how things happen, but science cannot explain why. And it cannot explain who is behind it all. La ciencia no explica el por qué ni quién está detrás de eso. And again, when you hear a statement like, The reason we are here is we're, there is no reason. It's all random. It's, it's all chance. That's not a scientific statement. That's a philosophy based on the scientific knowledge that we have, which is limited. You understand what I'm saying? Que las cosas son al azar, no es una declaración científica. So science is not bad, it's just limited. For example, scientists uh, have been trying to explain and still have not explained how it is that everything in the universe holds together. Why is it that the atoms in the universe just don't fly apart? Because by all reason, that's what should happen. Everything should just go flying apart. You and I shouldn't be holding together. We should just be boom, nothing. Los, los, las moléculas deben dispersar según la ciencia. There's no explanation. So the best that science has at this point is 26 different numbers to plug into an equation, 26 mathematical constants, which actually are 26 invisible forces that science hasn't figured out, but these 26 invisible forces must be there because otherwise things wouldn't stay together. Hay 26 fuerzas invisibles misteriosas que unen todo. Where science tries to give us the how, there's another book that has not changed in 2,000 years. And it gives us the why and the who. Hay otro libro que nos da el por qué el quién. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verse 
16, Colosenses 1, 16. And this is what it says. It says, by him, by Christ, the image of the invisible God, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or 26 invisible forces, all things were created by him and for him. Por medio de Cristo fueron creadas todas las cosas en el cielo, la tierra, visibles, invisibles, sean tronos, poderes, principados, autoridades, todo ha sido creado por medio de él y para él. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Él es anterior a todas las cosas que por medio de él forman un todo coherente. Why are we here? You're not an accident of random chance. Why are we here? We are here for a living hope. Estamos aquí, ¿por qué? Por una esperanza viva. And who is behind that living hope, that reason to live? It is Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God in whom all things hold together. The very one who created it all and was invisible became visible as a human being to live on this earth the life we should have lived and could have lived but didn't. He died the death we should have died and could have died because we deserved it and then he rose again to give us the life we wish we had but we could not get. Él murió para darnos vida y resucitó. That's our living hope. Jesus Christ is the reality behind the reality of the universe. See, it's just outside the scope of science to even touch that. But he's revealed himself. And our living hope is that Jesus Christ is more real than anything there is. He's more real than you. He's more real than me. He's more real than anything. What am I trying to, to show you in this? What I'm trying to show is that there are some very solid, good reasons for the hope that we have. And we can begin to share these things with other people. We can humbly, kindly dialogue with other people The, the goal is not to say gotcha to them. La meta no es exponer a las otras personas. The goal is not to win an argument even. You may not win an argument. It's, that's not the goal. The goal is to win a person. That's the goal. La meta no es ganar a un, a, a un debate, sino a una persona. And so, none of us here are geniuses, I don't think. Well, maybe there's someone here, but it's not me. My goal is not to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Our role, I believe, is to give another person a glimpse of the living hope that we have. Give them a glimpse of the reality of Jesus that we can see front and center. Nuestro papel es dar a otros un vistazo de la realidad de Jesús. He's not an imaginary friend. That's what some would say. You just have an imaginary friend. I don't think so. He's not an imaginary friend. He's a real living Lord. No es un amigo imaginario, es un señor de verdad. 
And so I think part of the next step, what we're talking about here today, is the next step, which can sometimes be a very scary step, of kindly, gently, lovingly engaging skeptical people in our lives with this hope that we have. Es hacer amistades con las personas escépticas. And so I've been asking myself this week, and I've actually been praying a, a weird prayer. God, send some skeptics my way. They're real people. You know what? I'm, I'm talking as if they're not in this room. That's wrong. I think that there are some skeptical people in this room. And I want you to know I'm glad you're here. You are no different than anybody else. We all have questions. Todos tenemos preguntas. Y hay personas escépticas aquí mismo, ahora mismo. Y son muy bienvenidos aquí. And we need to wrestle with those together. And so I'm saying, God, sends, send skeptical people my way that I can talk with them and learn and, and grow with them and be a friend to them. Here's the thing I've discovered. Doubting people have doubts about their doubts. People of faith do too, but doubting people doubt their doubts. Los que dudan tienen dudas de sus dudas. There's a Christian writer by the name of Greg Kokel. Greg Peterson actually shared this with me. And he says, our role is, is not to win arguments, like I said before. He says, you know what our role is? It's to leave a pebble in someone's shoe. Nuestro papel es dejar una piedrita en el zapato de alguien. To leave something that is going to make someone a little bit uncomfortable in a positive way. Es incomodar a alguien de una forma positiva. You know what one of the ways to leave a pebble in someone's shoe is? Profess your faith to them. Profesar la fe. When you can say, I believe and I see by faith the reality of Jesus Christ as my Lord. That's a pebble in someone's shoe. Profesar la fe es como una piedra en el zapato de alguien. Because they're looking at you and they say, wait a minute, this guy appears to be sane, more or less. Appears to be a good guy or woman. Appears to be okay, and yet they're smart, not too dumb. Appears to be, appears to be, Okay, but they're saying there's a reality that I'm not getting. Esa persona parece normal y sana, pero dicen que hay una realidad más allá que yo veo. I need to check this out a little further. And so, one of the ways you can take that step of professing your faith that we provide right here at Sunrise, we provide... That step, it's called profession of faith. And I believe it's more than just an optional step. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it is a necessary step. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesús dijo, si te avergüences de mí, me voy a avergonzar de ti. And so we provide that. We urge, we call people up. And what we do is we have a time on a Sunday where we you can invite your family, friends, people that may be just not sure, and we stand you up here and you say, I believe in the reality of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You publicly declare your faith. Publicamente declaras tu fe. And sometimes that's accompanied by baptism. And that's another symbolic public act that's saying I've died to something old. I'm risen to something new. También se acompaña muchas veces con el bautismo. 
Or it may be you're saying, I'm committing myself as a mission partner, as a part of this group of people. We want to make a difference in the world. Those are all steps that I want to encourage you to consider if you've not taken them yet. And that's why, as Greg said, next Sunday, we want to have this next steps forum after worship. It's not going to be rocket science, speaking of science. It's not going to be complicated. Our church elders simply want to get to know where you are. Where are you and what do you need? What might be a logical next step for you? How do we help you to take it? And often that's what we need. We need that little nudge and that that encouragement to do that. And we'd invite you just to stay for a few extra minutes. We'll try to have the coffee pot on. We'll have something nice to eat. And we'll just talk for a few minutes and try to discern how we help you move down the road. Could be a big step, like professing your faith. And you're ready for it. Or maybe you're not. Could be a small step. Maybe you're a skeptic and you're like, I just need you to explain this God thing to me because I'm not getting it. Puede que quieres dar un paso grande como la profesión de fe o simplemente de saber más. We want to invite all to come to that, be a part of it. I can remember so well uh, being 18 years of age one summer and I'm at a restaurant. So picture this late at night. Tengo 18 años. Estoy en un restaurante, and I'm sitting around this table with some fellow actors, okay? Estoy con unos actores, yeah. If you ever want to hear the story, I was a paid actor for two summers. Okay, it's a cool, cool story, fun stuff. Yo era actor. Got out before I got to Hollywood. Uh, wasn't that big. Anyway, we're sitting there talking around the table late at night, and the subject of life and death and God comes up. Surge el tema de Dios. And I'm, maybe there's one other person around that table that's, that believes in Jesus. Maybe. A lo mejor hay otra persona que cree en Jesús como yo. And there we are in the midst of this conversation about God late at night. And I took that step of giving the reason for the hope that I have. I can tell you I was quaking in my boots. I was scared to death. Skeptical people. Tenía miedo. But God helped me to take that step. And by the grace of God, it left a pebble in the shoe of a few people around that table. And a couple of them even began to check out the Christian faith and, and even to begin to believe. Algunos fue como una piedra en su zapato y empezaron a creer. You never know what God can do with your simple testimony. I believe in the reality of Jesus Christ. There's a quote from John Wimber who founded the Vineyard Church Movement. Maybe you've heard of it. Doesn't matter. What I love is what he says. Esta cita me me encanta. He says, a disciple or a follower of Jesus is always ready to take the next step. Un seguidor de Jesús siempre está dispuesto a dar el siguiente paso. It's the willingness to put your hand in Jesus' hand and say, I'm scared to death but I'm going with you. You're the pearl of great price. Where else am I going to go? Es la disposición de poner tu mano en la suya y decir, Señor Jesús, tengo miedo, pero voy contigo. Tú eres la perla de gran precio. I want to challenge you and to encourage you. Never be ashamed. Never be afraid. Never be stricken with panic. Put your hand in Jesus' hand and keep what 
is real in view. Pongan su mano en la de Jesús y mantengan a la vista lo que es real. Please join me as we pray. Vamos a orar. Lord Jesus, I'm going to take the step of praying for all of us this morning and saying, would you send some people our way this week that we can talk to? If we have trusted in you, would you send some people our way who are wrestling and doubting and maybe even skeptical? Señor, quiero que puedas ayudarnos a tener contacto con gente que a lo mejor es escéptica, que duda de tu realidad. And if there's anyone here this morning who's doubting, Lord, I would pray that you would send someone their way too, a friend, someone to listen to their doubts, someone that might help them to doubt their doubts all the way to the bottom because I believe at the bottom of our doubts we find you. Espero que las personas aquí que a lo mejor sean escépticas puedan dudar de sus dudas hasta el punto de encontrarse contigo. You are real, Jesus. You are real. And so I pray that we can see you before us every day. Put our hands in your hands. Bless this church family to be a blessing in our community this week. Que seamos una bendición en nuestra comunidad esta semana. Bless the work of your people throughout the world in large groups and in small groups. And let our light shine for you. Que nuestra luz brille por ti. We ask this in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, Amen.